Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Strick and Roll. It's episode 10. I'm your host, Winnie Pooh, and I'm just here by myself right now. Uh, in the second part of this, we have Juan Carlos. He is a Heat fan. will be joining us uh, to discuss a very epic uh, performance by the Knicks on Friday night to get the win in Miami for the first time since 2017. Uh, great win. One worth talking about. Um, and there's a lot to discuss about this game. But... Uh, before we get started, I do want to mention that Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland every Friday. That's the pod I do every Friday with Prez. It also gets you access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord, where we talk about the Knicks all the time, 24-7 even. Uh, furthermore, there's a $9 tier, which... If you pay, you get access to this full pod, Strick and Roll. It's my solo pod that I do. Uh, you also will get access, more importantly, much more importantly, to wonderful weekly articles by Matthew Miranda and Jack Huntley, two of the best in the business. Uh, there are further tiers beyond that. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to more benefits like merchandise discounts, watch parties, listening in on pod recordings, even potentially hosting a podcast yourself one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, let's talk a little bit about this game. Uh, the Knicks win an epic game in Miami, coming from 17 down in the fourth quarter uh, on the shoulders of a 20-point fourth quarter performance from Emmanuel Quickly, uh, who was simply fantastic down the stretch. Bunch of clutch threes, a critical steal and finish in, in transition. Just uh, one of his... Best game so far. Maybe his best game. Maybe his best game, uh, considering the opponent, the situation, the circumstances, all of it. Uh, probably his best game for me as a pro so far. So uh, kudos to him. And I, But before we talk a little bit more about the Knicks and the young guys and everything they did, I want to say this. I want to say this. A few things I want to get off my chest. Uh, look. There's been a lot of discussion about Tom Thibodeau and the job that he's done or hasn't done and what's his fault and what's not his fault and all this fucking shit. And let's just, let's clear the air a little bit. All right, let's clear the air. Let's do this. I want to, first of all, I want to say a few things that in praise of Tom Thibodeau, I want to I say a good a few good things about Tom Thibodeau. I think that if and when the Knicks, or the Knicks do make a change at head coach, I don't think it's a given that the defense stays as good as it's been. And don't get it twisted. The defense has been fucking good. Okay? They were third last year in defense. Uh, and we have more evidence now this year that they are still a very good defense. Without without Kemba Walker on the floor, they rate out as the fourth or fifth best defense in the league over a full season. That's great. That's a lot of minutes they've played without Kemba Walker. That is enough to say that even with all of the issues they've had, 
this team under Tom Thibodeau can defend. Is that all because of Tom Thibodeau and his system? Not necessarily, but he deserves plenty of praise for it. Getting buy-in from the young guys, getting them to execute, not just the young guys, the vets too, to some extent, to execute, uh, just to harp on the consistency and to get it constantly. Uh, He deserves a lot of credit for that. That is not a joke. That's not sarcasm. I'm dead serious. He deserves a lot of credit for that. And I do think that it has benefited his kind of maniacal attention to detail. I think it's benefited guys like, uh, specifically, somebody like Obi Toppin, who obviously had a reputation as a poor defensive player. I mean, that was his biggest concern coming out of the draft. Uh, I think it's benefited him a ton. And I think Tibbs deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, His development as a defensive player yeah, you want to give the majority of the credit to the player himself, but um, you know Tibbs obviously has has helped him on that end. I think there was even signs from Cam Reddish uh, after the trade where he seemed to be picking up a little bit of the nuances of what was required of him. Um, you know, the list can go on. I think R.J. Barrett's a much better defender than he was previously. I think Mitchell Robinson has improved in a lot of areas, which isn't purely down to Tibbs, although that's just experience, but I do think he deserves some credit. Um, I think what we've seen, the development of Jericho Sims, uh, just very, very quickly in his career so far. Uh, the 58th pick, obviously he's a little bit older, he's 23, but for him to come in and, and really show the strides he has says a lot about what this staff and you know whatever you want to however you want to parse it tom Thibodeau does have the staff he deserves credit for these things so i do think that's good i don't think it's i'm never i will never ever 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 downplay what was achieved last year in 2020 21 the knicks were not supposed to be a good team nobody thought they were going to be a good team not a soul thought they were going to be a good team at the most optimistic knicks fan i had them in about a playing range scenario that's the optimistic knicks fan Okay, I had them. I think I want to say I thought they could be like a thirty-win team or something like that. I'm not exactly sure to be completely honest with you because it was 72 72-game schedule. I don't remember what I predicted them for. I know I predicted they're over by far, um, but I don't remember the exact prediction. But I thought they would win. I think off the top of my head, I want to say I thought they would they could win 30, 30, 30 games, thirty and forty-two would have been the record. They won forty. They won forty-one and thirty-one. And sure, maybe they got lucky, and they were the you know Julius was hot, and there was no crowds in the stands, and blah 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 blah. Um, we can we can caveat and all. Ultimately, that team punched way above its weight. Fourth seed in the East, got home court in the first round. Yes, they were bounced immediately after. Let's not let that detract from what he achieved. He achieved a lot as head coach of the Knicks his first year. He deserves all of the credit for that. All the credit he deserved, I will never detract from it. He deserved the coach of the year. I stand by that. I will not use this year, my issues with his, whatever he's done this year, to detract from that. Okay? It, it should not and will not for me anyway. He was great last year. And yes, the Alfred Payton stuff was stupid. And there were things that I didn't like. But that team had no business doing what it did. And it did. It did. Um, and yes, a lot of that was Julius playing at such a high level. But you tell me a coach who doesn't. There's no coaches that win without stars. There, there's just not. Okay, there, there isn't. There, tell me a team. Tell me a good coach that wins a lot without a star. Oh wait, it doesn't exist. You need stars to win in the NBA. He got a star performance out of Julius last year, and he turned that into a star performance for his team. Really, you know, um, RJ Barrett developed nicely under him. I, I, I will say this too. I will, n- I will not ever accuse Tom Thibodeau of being horrible for player development or. Irrevocably ruining players' long-term trajectory or development. There is no evidence of that. 
in Chicago. There's no evidence of it in Miami, and there sure as shit is no evidence of it in New York. Does he stifle players because he doesn't necessarily trust them fast enough? Yeah, maybe you can argue that. You can argue that. I will argue that. But I there, there's nothing to suggest he's bad at development or stifles development or hurts players' long-term trajectory. Not any. And I think he's done a good job with R.J. Barrett. I think quickly he's developed nicely. I think Obi has shown a lot of progress. We've seen good signs from Grimes and Deuce. I don't personally think that he deserves a lion's share of credit for this stuff, but the fact that these guys can develop with him as a head coach speaks to the fact that he's not some horrible, terrible uh, development guy who just destroys young players. He might not like coaching them. He might not care for it, but he doesn't fuck them over um, in that sense anyway. So I'll never accuse him of that. All of that said, let's cut to the shit, okay? Tom Thibodeau has done a terrible job this year. He's done a terrible job this year. There's no two ways about it. You don't get to... you. Don't tell me he won coach... I know he won coach this year in 2021. I just talk, talked about it for about five fucking minutes. I know he won coach this year in 2021. It doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. Because you know what? The year is fucking 2022. I don't give a shit what he did in 2020, 2020, 2021. Okay? That's irrelevant to this conversation. And this is a business... That is about, what have you done for me lately? And what the fuck has Tom Thibodeau done for me lately? Okay? Now, you want to sit there, and here's the thing. You want to give him credit for last year? So you want to give him credit? Like, yeah, you can say that. That's fine. You want to? I, I just did. I want to give him credit for last year. At the same time, you cannot then, by the same token, now that Julius is struggling and playing like an asshole, you can't turn around and then be like, well, that's, you can't, it's not his fault. Julius is playing bad. What do you mean it's not his fault? It was, but Julie, when Julius was playing great, it was we gave Tom Thibodeau all, plenty of credit. I don't want to say all the credit, but he got plenty of fucking credit, right? Julius Randle won MIP with second team All NBA. He deserved that shit last year, but he's playing like shit now, right? He's playing like shit now. So, so Tom Thibodeau is fully capable of the same. He can coach a great year and then follow it up and coach a bad year. That's this. It's it's possible. It's very possible, and it's happening. Okay, it's not just that Julius is playing bad, and therefore Tom Thibodeau is some helpless fucking baby that can't be expected to coach an NBA fucking basketball team. No, that's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. It's a cop out. That's what that is. That's a cop out. That is that that is that's treating that's actually treating Tom Thibodeau as some kind of like helpless passenger. Okay, and if you want to claim, if you want to say that Julius Randle is more responsible than Tom Thibodeau for the struggles of the team this year. I think that's a completely fair argument. I actually tend to agree that I, I don't even I I don't think there's any argument that a player impacts the baseline of a team. A star player impacts the baseline of a team more than a head coach does. There's no question about it. So Julius Randle playing however the fuck he's played, which has been atrocious, like absolutely atrocious. I've killed him for it. He's been pathetic. Forgive me, Kamal us. Regardless of how pathetic he's been, Tom Thibodeau's done a terrible job. I'm going to tell you exactly why he's done a terrible job. Okay, Julius Randle has played more cumulative minutes this year than anybody else in the entire NBA. Julius Randle, okay? Before this recent uh, three-game stretch that he's missed, he had played every single game except for two that he missed with a COVID illness. He's averaging 35 and a half minutes a game after averaging 37.6 last year. Okay? He's playing a shit ton of minutes. And that is a choice. That is a choice that Tom Thibodeau is making. It's a choice in, in what lineups he plays him in, and it's a choice how much he plays him in. 
Yes, the front office gave Julius Randle a contract. So the front office gave Julius Randle a contract. Therefore, Tom Thibodeau is no longer capable of coaching him. He's got too much of an ego for Tom Thibodeau to coach him. Okay, maybe that's true. Well, guess what? That says something about Tom fucking Thibodeau then, too. That says that he can't check a guy's ego. He can't control his own locker room. Is it hard? Is it difficult to do shit like that? Yeah, it is, but that's the fucking job, bro. That's the job. You're the head coach of an NBA basketball team. Guess what? You know who has egos? Every fucking star that has ever played in the NBA, other than like Tim Duncan. And I'm, I'm sure he had a fucking ego too. We just don't hear about it. All the, every, every star has an ego. If you don't think that, if you don't think part of the job is managing these guys' egos, massaging them, getting them to buy in constantly, you constantly have to work to this. It's not like, oh, he bought in last year, so now I just assume that he's going to buy in every year and I, that's it. No, that's not how it works. You have to work to that. You, it's a relationship. You have to constantly be working at a relationship, right? It's the same concept. You cannot just, oh, well, Julius is back. He'll be fine. It's the same thing. No. And he clearly hasn't been. He clearly has been playing like an asshole this season. And and, and Tom Thibodeau has done nothing about it. He has not checked him in any, in any way, shape, or form. Not one. He hasn't really cut his minutes. He hasn't tried to play him in lineups that are more optimized and have better statistical data to back it up. We know this because we've watched the entire season. He played him in a lineup. The most played lineup in the that the Knicks have is still that Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, clusterfuck of a lineup that was awful. Awful. The worst starting lineup in the NBA, bar none. Terrible lineup. That's his choice. That is his choice. That was his choice. And it was his choice when he, if you want to say, I agree, he had to start with that lineup. There's no way he couldn't start with it or not start with it. But once he made the switch and he handled that, let's, that is an indictment on Tibbs' performance this year too. Because we've had multiple reports that the way he handled that switch, the way it was done, it rubbed the locker room the wrong way. That's coaching. That's on him. That's on Tom Thibodeau. If guys in the locker room didn't like the way he handled it, that is on fucking Tom Thibodeau. Okay, that's not on anybody else. That's on him. So he got, he has to own that. That's part of coaching. You made a sh- you made a decision. It was the right decision, but you handled it like an asshole, and it had blowback, and it fucked up the team for a bit. He has to own that shit. You don't get a pass for that. No, you don't. That's that's that goes on the ledger against the p- coaching performance Tom Thibodeau has had this year. Okay. Now he has to go back to Kemba because of this. You know, we had a bunch of we had a COVID outbreak. Shorthanded, Kemba has to play. Kemba balls out for a week. Wins Player of the Week. He feels obligated. He has to go back to him. Okay, I understand that. He didn't have to stick with him as long as he did. He didn't. He actually started. So he started Kemba Walker 18 games at the start of the season before he benched him. He started him 19 games after that. After he put him back in the second time. 19. And it was it was obvious. After 10 games the second season, he was done. He had nothing left. His His body cannot sustain it. His knees can't sustain it. It is what it is. That's not... The fact that Kemba Walker is cooked is not on it's not on Tom Thibodeau. 100%. I will never blame that on Tom Thibodeau. I know he didn't push for the signing. You know, I know that wasn't his guy. That's not who he wanted. That's not the type of player he wants a point guard. But that it is what it is. Like he and he knew that and he still went back to him and he played him longer. He started him more games the second time that prolonged this misery, okay? And when he has had the opportunity, okay, then he's chosen to pull Kemba twice. Who did he start? He started a non-point guard, a point guard. He's still starting a non-point guard, a point guard. He's starting Alec Burks, a point guard. I like Alec Burks. Alec Burks is a good player. Alec Burks isn't a fucking point guard, though. And if you play him a fucking point guard, and he plays like an he plays like shit, 
and the, the lineup isn't great. They've been a lot better than the one with Kemba, though. Let's be honest about that. But it's still not a great lineup. That's on you as a coach. That's you. That's that's not on Julius Randle playing like an asshole. That's on you as a coach. Would that lineup be better if Julius wasn't playing like an asshole? Yes, of course. But that's not what I'm judging. Your job as a coach is to control the factors you can control. You control what you can. If you just judge Tom Thibodeau on the things that he can control, he's done a terrible fucking job. Like, that's just a fucking reality. There's no two ways about it. You can like Tom Thibodeau. You can even want him back next year. But if you want him back next year, you got to be honest about the job he's doing this year, which has been bad. It's been bad. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's been bad, period. End of story. If you can't say, Tom Thibodeau's, if you can't say, well, he had to say, the Kemba Walker decision was bad, but, no, no but, no fucking buts. There are no buts, okay? There, there's none. There's, that's, that's not criticism. That's, that's you making an excuse. That's you saying what he did wrong and then excusing it, finding an excuse. No, he's a fucking head coach, right? Like, if we praise him for all the decisions, if we assume that last year all the decisions that were made that led the Knicks to go 41 and 31 as far as managing the lineups, managing the team, managing the rotations, creating the culture within the locker room, all that shit, if we give him all the credit for that and he was responsible for all of that, then you have to hold him to the same standard this year. But now we paid some guys, so now we can't hold him to any standard? That's fucking bullshit. I'm sorry. That's absolute bullshit. Okay, that's a crock of bu- that's That's a crock of shit is what that is. Um, Alec Brooks makes $10 million a year. You're trying to tell me he can't bench Alec Burks to start Emmanuel? Like, he can't. You really think if he goes to Alec Burks, like, hey, look, uh, you know, we're going to start Emmanuel. We think that he gives us a better option at point. You're still going to play a big role off the bench. Like, we still love you. You're still, like, whatever the fuck you got to say. Do you really think that Burks is going to have a fucking hissy fit and lose his mind and, and be upset about it? No. Get the fuck out of here. The guy's been a bench player. Since, he was signed to be a bench player. He was signed to be a bench player. He has been a bench player for the last three years of his career, or whatever the fuck it is, probably longer. That's what he is. That's what he was signed to be. And he's damn good at it. So now, but now we can't bench him because they're like, the logic makes no sense. Evan Fournier, yeah, he makes $18 million a year. Congratulations. He can't, you can't never, you can never try him off the bench, not once. Okay, fine. I'll give you that one. You can't, okay, fine. You can't do that. So you can't do that. You can still. Just start quickly. Start any like you can do things to mitigate this stuff. Like you don't need to play Alec Burks and Fournier and RJ Barrett and Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson and those starters together, and that's your lineup, and you can't stagger and you can't split them up at all. You can't do these things. You can do that. Every other coach in the NBA does it. We just played one yesterday in Miami that did it. Okay, we won the game. Like obviously we won the game. Great one. Thank fucking God we won the game. But I mean you that we saw it. You can stagger. Every other team does this better than the, than the Knicks. Every other team does this better than the Knicks. So even if you want to start the shitty starting lineup, there's a better way to go about doing it to, to get better lineups on the floor more consistently and get better combinations and try more things. And he hasn't done any of that. He hasn't done any of that. He he refuses to play. Oh, like, oh you can't play OB. OB can only play the backup four minutes. Why? Why can't him and Randall ever play together? We, we spent, I, I spent, a lot of us spent so much this season pointing out how terrible the Knicks center play was from Mitch to Todd falling off a cliff from being overworked to Nerlens just not being healthy the entire year. We talked about that for like the first two, three months of the season. And this man would not try Julius Randle and Obi topping together, even though during that time, Obi was awesome. He was great. He's been great the entire season, basically, but he was especially great then. And he wouldn't try it. That's not 
you don't get a pass for that. That's a criticism of you as a coach. You refuse to try that. You've refused to find a way to get a, one of your most productive players on the floor more than 12 to 15 minutes a night because of your own rigidity philosophically as a coach. That is on you. That's not on the front office. That's not on Julius Randle's contract. That's not on, you know, uh, it, it's not on anybody. It's not on RJ Barrett shooting poorly from the field for a long time. It's not on Kemba Walker being cooked. That's on you. That's on Tom Thibodeau as the head coach. He's had the autonomy to do whatever the fuck he wants. He chose, he, this is, these were his choices. Right? Don't fucking tell me about the contracts. I don't want to hear about the contracts. Okay. I don't want to hear about it. That's a crock of shit. Okay. You've got teams, Atlanta, they got Gallinari coming off the bench. This guy makes 18 million a year. He's been coming off the bench since last year. Bogdanovich comes off the bench now. He's making, he's making the same money that Evan Fournier is basically. These guys coming off the bench. You're trying to tell me Tom Thibodeau can't dare to to tell Evan Fournier or Alec Burks especially that they, they're going to come off the bench now because he wants to start somebody else. He wants to give some... That's bullshit. And I'm not just telling him to start these young guys or asking him to play these young guys more because I want to tank. And I, No, I don't want to tank. I've never advocated for that. These guys are good. They're fucking good. Quickly is good. He is good. He's a flat-out good player. I don't care what you want to call him. He's a point guard, shooting guard, combo guard, your mother guard. I don't give a fuck. It doesn't matter what position he is. He is a good player. The Knicks play better when he's on the court. Every single combination that he plays with is better when he's on the court than when he's off. Every single one. He plays he, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Rowe. You just go down the list. He has whatever it is about him. His position, whatever he doesn't do, and do, it doesn't matter. The guy is a positive, high impact, positive player. You got to find more minutes for him. Okay, you do. You starter him, fucking stagger him in earlier. I don't give a shit. But these are his choices. You know, these are his choices. There's only one player in the entire on the team. If not, I don't want to rephrase this. You go down R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle's two most used. Two man com- 10 most used two-man combinations. Quickly is the only one that's positive. It's the only one. So, you know, you've got two guys that are proverbially your key players, and you punt on using them together. That's on you as a coach. I can't put that on anybody else. He's played, he's played less minutes. This is a crazy stat. Emmanuel Quickly has played less minutes to this point in the season with R.J. Barrett than Kemba Walker has. And he's played more games with R.J. Barrett than Kemba Walker has this year. But he's played way less. He's played like 35 less minutes. That is shitty coaching. No matter how you want to chop it up, and uh, it's bullshit. Shut the fuck up. It's a, just say it's shitty coaching. That's what it is. It's a shitty choice. And it's his choice. Do you really think the front office would be upset if he found more minutes for two guys they drafted? A lottery pick at that in Obi Toppin? And a guy who was just a revelation for them last year and quickly? Come on, get the fuck out of here. Who are you trying to fool? Who are you, like, what are you, Tom Thibodeau's mother? Are you his PR team? Are you his agent? Are you getting a cut of his contract or some shit? If he gets, This is bullshit. It is bullshit. All of these defenses of Thibodeau, all in, they, they all want to divorce him of all responsibility and culpability of decision-making. It's bullshit. I'm sorry. And you know what? I'll tell you what else is bullshit. If you think, like, the people that think Tom Thibodeau's doing a shitty job and deserves to be fired, I promise you, if you drew a Venn diagram of how many of them want 
Julius Randle gone off this team, that would be a massive overlapping section. Like, 90% of the people would overlap. So it's not like an either-or thing. It's not like, oh, well, you guys don't want to blame Randle. No, nah, get the foul. I'll blame Randle all day. I don't. I want to trade Randle. I want to trade Julius Randle. And I said uh, on the pod on Friday, if I had, like, I think that there's a world where if you keep Tibbs, it could probably be okay. And I, I, I would, I would, I can understand at this point keeping Tibbs over Julius almost. But, but, there's that but, though, right? Uh, Mark Berman dropped a hysterical article today about why we should stop being mean to Tom Thibodeau. I'm going to read a quote from it. Um, it's actually a hilarious article where they talk about, like, you know, uh, Nick's Twitter is mean, and they're mean for second-guessing Tom, Tom Thibodeau. I'm going to read this off. Okay? This is, from, this is from the article from Berman. Sources have indicated Thibodeau has been most offended by claims he mistreated Walker, who eventually shut it down at the All-Star break, and accusations he stunted Toppin's growth because of a lack of playing time. Thibodeau's reference that a player could make one brilliant play and nine bad ones could be a reference to Toppin, who hears Obi chants after one showboat dunk. I don't know where he's getting all this from, but I will say this. The sources that are indicating that this is how Tom Thibodeau feels to Mark Berman, go watch a, a Knicks postgame press conference with, with Tibbs, and you go see who he has the nice, most jovial... Uh, time with when he's answering questions. Might be Mark Berman, just saying. So if he's got sources telling him these things, I have a pretty good idea where the source is coming from. And when he throws in a paragraph about Obi Toppin can make one brilliant play and nine bad ones, and you look at how he's used Obi Toppin this year, basically just to spell Julius when Julius is off the floor, that says a lot to me. It says a lot to me. It says a lot to me about Tom Thibodeau and, and what who is leaking this stuff to Berman and what he's leaking to Berman and what he's getting Berman to say for him. That's what that says to me. And I think that's horseshit. If I'm the front office and I read something like that, that would seal his fate for me. That is shit. This is after a major win against Miami in which I thought Obi played great. He played great. He played great against Charlotte in 40 minutes too. And he played damn good against the Hawks also. You know, this is a guy who hasn't, he's never gotten a chance to start really this year other than when Julius is hurt. He stayed ready. He stayed positive. He's put in the work. And he comes in and he's had an impact. And the team has looked better with him on the floor all year, but especially these last three games when he started. Because guess what? In that starting lineup, you know, I talked about earlier how you can compliment you want complementary skills. You know, you want to have vets, but you want to have young guys in the lineups to, to mitigate the stuff that they're not so good at. You know? Hey, you you're old. You can't make the extra rotations like I can. You can't run around like crazy and get out in transition like I can. Guess what? Inserting Obi in that lineup helps it because he injects that into that unit. And so, I understand why you start Julius, obviously. I'm not crazy. But the fact that you couldn't find more minutes for him and then you you get this fucking garbage coming out the day after a huge win in Miami, that's shit, man. That's shit. And I know where that shit comes from. You think the front office is leaking that? Yeah, the front office wants to shit on their own lottery pick that they made in 2020. Okay, I got a bridge to sell you. Um, it's bullshit. I, I think it's bullshit. And and stuff like this from Tibbs, he's leaked stuff about the front office. He's leaked stuff about players now. It's bullshit. It's this is yeah, it's nonsense. He's trying to save his own ass, paint himself as a victim, paint himself as some kind of you know sympathetic figure. I don't feel any sympathy for this fucking guy. 
college basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. You cust- new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the college hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? And who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook 21+. plus. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. If you or someone else you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. That's for Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's for Arizona. 1-800-522-4700. For Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Visit HTTPCCPG.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF. That's for Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP, or text 7867, or sorry, that's 7867, uh, for <laughs> Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Visit OPGR.org for Oregon. Call text TN, call or text TN Redline, one 800 889-9789-Tennessee, or 188-532-3500 for Vermont. 21 plus, 18 or over in New Hampshire or Wyoming. Must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Vermont, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See httpdraftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. It's a job. You either good at it or you're bad at it. He's been he was great at it last year. He's been garbage at it this year. Fucking garbage, bro. Absolutely fucking shit. He's been terrible. There's no two ways about it. He's been terrible this year. And you can want to keep him. But if you can't just admit that he has been terrible this year. And you went, oh, well, guys have to make shots. Julius has to play better. Oh, RJ was bad for a month. Oh, Quickly's on a point guard. You're just making fucking excuses. What? All these things can be true. And yet, we went 3-17 and for a stretch. Blew how, God knows how many fucking double-digit games during that during that run. That's coaching. It's the same, it's the same players. Same ones that it's all their fault. It's their fault, right? Oh, yeah. No, Tibbs can't control it. What can Tibbs control then? If he can't control player performance, he can't control outcomes, he can't control not having a point guard, he can't control, you know, we have a 20-point lead without a point guard, but magically then, like, when we blow the lead, it's because we don't have a point guard. I don't really understand how that all works. Maybe somebody can help me out with that. All I know is this. I know magically, once injuries hit and he had to start playing the young guys, magically, very magically, the team got better. It started playing better on both ends of the floor. Wow, who would have thought that? Started playing faster, too. It's crazy, right? Isn't that wild? Who could have predicted? Um, but this all stems. This all stems from yesterday. As soon as the game was over, okay, the game is over. And again, this is an epic victory for the Knicks, in turn, especially in the context of this season. Probably their best win of the season, all things considered. Considering that in the fourth quarter, other than Todd Gibson, 
The guys that played were all 23 or younger, I believe. Or, yeah, 23 or younger. Or no, Obi's 24 now. So, Obi, 24. Jericho Sims, Mitch, 23. Actually, yeah, Mitch. No, Mitch didn't play in the fourth quarter. Sims, 23. RJ, 21. Quickly, 22. Deuce, 21. Grimes, 21. This is what you want to see. This is great. This is great for your future. You see these guys come together collectively, you know, really fight and grit their way through a tough game, shorthanded, no Julius, away against it. the number one team in the East. And yes, they've been, Miami struggled a bit recently, but this is a team that's had their number. And it looked like they had their number again. They're up 15 going into the fourth quarter. They extended to 17 and they make a run and they come back and they win in uh, kind of, in, in, flat out, it's in, a, in, a, in an inspiring way. Uh, to, to say the least. like it, As a fan, it was inspiring to watch that. Um, and and this is what goes through his mind immediately. You know, he was asked a question about the young guys and the explosion of how they played. This is his answer. You guys are trying to nitpick this, nitpick that. You need everyone across the course of a season. Thibodeau added, each player is vital, naming others who didn't have the same impact Friday. RJ Barrett, Burks, Mitchell Robinson, Randall, who sat out of the contest. Then he goes on, goes on to say this. It's not a te- it's a team, not an individual thing. Can't pick up a box score after and say, how many people are watching after and say, how many people are watching the end of the game to really know what exactly happened in the game? I see a lot of opinions, but I don't see guys doing the work to actually study it. It's where we are in society today. Social media. Look, hey, it's part of the game. We love it. It drives the game. It's as popular as it's ever been. But to me, I don't like anything that eats away at the fabric of the team. And so people want to take one game, whether it's a win or loss, and they went, well, this is this, this, and this. A guy might make one good play in the game, and he has nine bad plays, or conversely, he makes nine good plays, and he has one bad play. Um, you know, so, and then he goes on to say this. So when I see stuff being written, or people talking about this, that, you hear it all the time, and then when you actually do study it and you watch the game again, and maybe you watch it a third time, you actually know what transpired. I gotta just say this. I've never seen a bigger crock of fucking shit spewed by a coach my entire life. And I'll tell you exactly why. The people that he's railing against, you know, me, or I doubt he's talking about me, but I'm not that conceited. Let's be real. He's not talking about me personally. He's talking about Knicks fans who, in general, have been... Play the young guys. Play the young guys more. Play the young guys more. And yes, <coughs> I cannot l- deny that an element of Knicks fans, probably a large element, want that. That was just code word for tank, 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 tank. Okay, that's not what I was saying. Now, that's not what a lot of Knicks fans are saying. What a lot of Knicks fans are saying were, you keep losing fucking games in the same way, playing the same vets in the same rotations. You're not changing anything, and you keep losing games in the same fucking fashion. Why can you not give the young guys more time to see what the fuck they can do? Maybe they surprise you, and you become a be- and you're a better team, and you start winning some of these close games. Maybe some of these close losses turn into close wins. Maybe some of these close losses turn into bigger wins. Maybe you win games that you didn't ever think you were going to win. Maybe they surprise you, and they're better than you ever fucking thought. That was the argument. Because I know what Alec Brooks is. I know what Evan Fournier is. I know what Kemba Walker is. I know what Todd Gibson is. I Actually, I don't know what Julius Randle is, but I know what the fuck he is this year, which is absolute shit. I know what these guys are. I don't need to learn more about them. We know what they are. They are what they are. They're older, established veterans with baselines of play. We know what they are. And we know what their weaknesses are. We know that shit with them together, leaning on them to the degree we did, did not work. And yet we kept doing it. 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 Kept doing it. And louder and louder and louder, 
more and more people were like, play these young guys, play these young guys. The data says Emmanuel quickly is really impactful, play him more. The data says Obi Toppin's having a really good year, play him more. And and all we got were fucking excuses. We got excuses. We got there's so many people excusing this stuff. So many people that now that now 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 they want to fucking sit there and tell you, well, you know, well, you know, he is playing the young guys more now. And and see, Julius is out now. We're winning games, and it's like he could have fucking done both. He could have played young guys more sooner in the fucking season. And don't tell me that he was timing it perfectly and waiting for them to be ready and he didn't... That's bullshit. It has nothing to do with that. Give me a fucking break with that shit. He is not out here protecting these young guys for the benefit of their fucking development. That is a crock of shit. He didn't trust them. That's it. That's flat out all it is. He doesn't trust them. He didn't trust them in young situations. In, in, he didn't trust them when he had options. When he had more of his roster, more of his vets healthy. He didn't trust them. That's flat out what it is. Call it what it is. Stop making up bullshit. Stop fucking lying. You're fucking lying if you say otherwise. He didn't trust them. And that's fine. But just fucking say that. Don't do this. Don't try and retcon fucking history. Alright? That's fucking bullshit. That's bullshit. That's what that is. That makes me fucking angry. Because that's bullshit. It is absolute bullshit to suggest that. I, I I don't know what else. It, it just it drives me absolutely nuts. You don't get to have it both ways. No, Tom Thibodeau. You can believe in him as the coach for next year. You can make the argument for me. You know, I I, w- I would not. I on the record, I would not keep him past this year. But I did lay out the good things he's done, and I think there is a reasonable argument to be made for why he should come back. I understand it. I wouldn't. But you don't get to sit here and then just make excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse for all of his stupid fucking decisions. Each and every one. Because that's pathetic. That's what that is. That is trash. Okay? You can't preach accountability like he does and not own any of this. And and not, not, not nothing is his fault. Or nothing. No. And, and, you, and I don't want to hear, well, no, it is some of it is his fault, but no, no fucking but. No but. No but. Okay, he's done a shit job this year, independent of the other issues that the Knicks have. The Knicks don't have a championship roster. Julius Randle has played like an asshole. RJ Barrett did suck for a month. Kemba Walker was terrible. Evan Fournier did need time to adjust to a new role. Blah, 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 blah. All these things are true. And they still do not mean, they, they still don't justify the coaching choices Tom Thibodeau made time after time after time after time after time. Until injuries forced his hand, and he had to play the young guys more. That's bullshit. And you know there was oh well, Deuce McBride. Is just, oh, you think a second round pick like Deuce is going to change the season? Oh, Grimes is a late first rounder. Of course, it took him time to break in the rotation. Oh, quickly, he's not making shots for a month. Burks and Kemba had months where they didn't make fucking shots either. They they were great for the, apparently they could play though because they hit the magical uh, mythical threshold of being seven, eight-plus-year vets that apparently at that point you know everything about basketball and can be trusted inherently regardless. Like, it is bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. And he deserves criticism for it. And people, like, again, I've said this before, I'll say it again, the most frustrating part of it for me, just as a fan, was seeing other fans justifying these decisions by kind of dismissing the young talent the Knicks have, downplaying it, suggesting that any data that that could be argued would, you know, hey, look, 
Man, Quickly's net rating is awesome. This lineup with him and Deuce, like I don't for whatever reason, even though Deuce is shooting like shit, they keep blitzing teams when they're on the floor together. All suggesting all these things, it just got hand waved away, and it's not a big deal. You can't do any better. Blah 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 blah. It's bullshit. You guys were wrong. You're fucking wrong. That's what you were, right? That's what you were. You were wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times. I'll admit that. Shit, I was wrong about Julius last year. I was wrong about Julius this year too. You know, I was. I you want to see wrong? Go read my season preview for Kemba Walker. Not no man on earth could be more wrong about a topic than that. I, embarrassingly wrong. But you know what you do when you're wrong? You just fucking admit it and move on. You don't try and justify your bullshit. Okay, nobody cares. Just move on. Tom Thibodeau has coached a terrible season. Say that with your chest. Say it. I promise you'll feel fine. He, unless you're related to him, unless you're his mother, you're going to feel fine. Tom Thibodeau, nothing's going to happen to you. You know, you're not going to get struck by lightning. It's fine. The, you know, the world, the, the earth isn't going to crack beneath your feet and you're going to fall into the depths of hell. No, nothing is going to happen. You'll be fine. Tom Thibodeau's coached a shit year. Just say it. You'll, be, you'll feel good about yourself, probably. It's fine. He's coached a shit year. Doesn't mean he's a shit coach. Doesn't mean he can never turn it around. Just means that he coached a shit year. And then we can start evaluating, does he deserve to stay? Why would you keep him? Why would you not? What are the good things he brings to the table? What are the bad things? What did he fuck up this year? Is there a way to create a roster where he'll fuck less things up? What if we consolidate some of these vets and trade them out? Will that force him to play these young guys that we want to see him play more? We can talk about all that stuff. But you, it has to start by admitting that he coached a shit year. And he hasn't been a good team player. Okay? He hasn't. This guy acted like trading for Cam Reddish created all kinds of nightmare problems for him. We were a 20-19 and 19 team. What were we, some fucking juggernaut? And they didn't trade anybody in his rotation. They traded Kevin Knox, who clearly didn't want anymore. I clearly didn't want anymore. I know you probably didn't want clearly you probably didn't want him anymore, unless you're Mikey Cooks. Shout out Mikey Cooks. You know, like nobody else wanted Kevin Knox because he sucks. He's a bad basketball player. And the Knicks decided, hey, look, let's trade, let's trade him. Let's trade this protected first round pick from Charlotte we got. And let's get let's take a shot on Cam on Cam Reddish. They got a Brooklyn 22 second, or 2025 second in that deal, too, for whatever it's worth. That's what they did. And you can't sit there and bitch about the, the lack of talent on the team. How can you tell me that there's... You can't argue that Tibbs is a victim of a roster that lacks talent and then be mad that the front office made a move to go and get talent. Just because Tom Thibodeau himself doesn't agree with it, that's bullshit. So they should not make moves. He's the head coach, right? He's the head coach. He's allowed to pick his rotations and do whatever the fuck he wants. Okay. But the front office, they can take his recommendation and his suggestions and his feelings on board, but they have to make moves that they think are better for the beneficial for the franchise's future. Because they have to look at a longer timeline than this year or the next game or the next quarter or the next possession, which is how Tom Thibodeau looks at these things. But the Cam Reddish trade, his reaction to it, his inability to find minutes for him, even with injuries, even shorthanded, even when he had nine guys, eight guys, whatever the fuck it was, he just wouldn't find minutes for the guy. And guess what? Then he started finding minutes for him. Cam started looking, he started showing flashes, started playing well. Had a really good game against the Clippers. What, he had 17, I think, in that game? Was playing pretty well against the Kings until he got hurt in that game, and now he's out for the season. We didn't get a great look at him. We didn't get a ton of looks at him. But I was liking what I see from Cam. I liked I liked the flashes I saw. Am I sure he's going to be a good, great player? No, I'm not. But I liked what I saw of him. I think he has a skill set that this team really needs as a big wing. 
And that's what you ever do as a front office. You have to look out for, is this an opportunity to address a deficiency we have in the team? Not, what does Tom Thibodeau want and only do the things Tom Thibodeau wants? Because if we did all the things Tom Thibodeau wants, we just ran back last year's team and probably just been in the same situation we are now, which I don't, I mean, is that better or worse? I don't know. But all I know is this, Tom Thibodeau has done a terrible job this year. He's done a bad job of, of playing the right players. If his goal is to win every game, which is what he says, Look, he said this. Development, he thinks is bullshit in terms of minutes aren't about development. Development happens outside of the game. So he thinks games are about winning and losing. So he's telling you, based on his choices, every single game, who he thinks helps win and lose games the most. Or who doesn't help him at all. And for a long part of the season, he said, he. I mean, he's still saying it. He's still saying Emmanuel quickly doesn't help him win as much as Evan Fournier and Alec Burks do in the starting lineup. He doesn't even want to try it. Doesn't want to try it. He doesn't think Obi Toppin is tenable over long minutes unless he's absolutely forced to. The guy will, will pull him from games as soon as starters check back in because he's mortified of what they might do to him. No, it's been a thing all year. He won't play him and Randall to get there at the five because he has to have a rim protector at the five at all times. Apparently, like they are just these are just realities about him as a coach. So if you want him, you want to keep him, cool. But it has to start from a place of honesty. And if we're being honest, he's done a shitty job this year. That's what it is. So, part two. We're going to talk to Juan Carlos. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.